This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 17, First Round Strategies, Necrovirus. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. I am strategy robot Hunter Donaldson, and I am joined by sing-songy bad accent robot, and I am the co-host Matt Martins. We recommend not giving out the promissory note. Thank you. Goodbye. That was a real pleasure that we had there. Uh, we want to thank uh, our, our, guest, thanks, host, our yeah. guest host today. Um, Strategy robot Hunter Donaldson. And sing-songy accent robot Matt Martins. Yes, but um, they, they've been dismissed. Um, also, uh, I would like to, before we get into our necrovirus episode, which is what we're doing right now, we're woo! already in it. Whoa, man, we'll listen two minutes. That's all you do. Hold on to your robot you're already horses. into it. Oh, man, don't crash your car. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we actually messed up. This yeah. was the first time we made a really big boo-boo, um, and we uh, messed up this whole episode. Well, we didn't actually mess it up, but we had to... This episode ran its car in head first into a brick wall. And the, it was brick the end wall, of Thelma and Louise. We drove it off a cliff. We drove this episode off a cliff. And do we really want to? Do we want to explain what happened? We were ready to talk about the necrovirus. We were ready to talk about the necrovirus's flagship, and then the now to some people infamous thread on Board Game Geek talking about the necrovirus's flagship gave us a lot of pause, and we had to seriously question many of the assumptions we were making about the necrovirus's flagship. And uh, we had basically designed an entire strategy guide around the idea that the flagship is pretty crucial. And then this thread happened that made us go, wait, how does this flagship work exactly? And we didn't have an answer for a few days. So this mm-hmm. is take two. We have the answers now. So you can trust that this information is mostly probably going to be at least a little bit right. <laughs> this episode, I can guarantee it will be current for at least a week. Yes. It um, will be better than the episode we would have recorded four days ago. What is exciting about this episode is this is the episode so far that we've recorded that I feel like most likely could possibly have to be redacted entirely. And that's (laughs) hilarious to me that this is a podcast where we very well might have to come out and be like, yeah, uh, episode 17. delete it from the feed. (laughs) Yeah, we don't, we don't stand by that anymore. That's gone. Are we ready to talk? Theme. Theme. We already did it, man. Those bleeps and those bloops. Oh, bleeps and bloops. I kind of wanted to talk about how um, the necrovirus and the L1Z1 are both considered the, the Borg. Yeah. They're Which is the Borg? Borg-y. Who's Which Borg-y? one's more Borg? Yeah. Let's do a quick poll. All Everyone right, so... agrees. No, the poll is that everyone agrees the L1Z1X is the Borg, especially because the L1Z1X was here first. Mm-hmm. They get to be the Borg. Necro is something else. But entirely. they're. But they're. I don't know. They both have like thematic sure Borg-ness the necro are the borg that took it too far mm-hmm. they're they're borgs like drugged out loser drugged brother out. like well you know tech drugs, I, th- I think virus <laughs> tech drugs is that what you think drugs are viruses well you heard it here folks as space cast beat turtles drugs are viruses 
Drugs are viruses. Dare. Drugs. Dare. This this Dare. episode Drugs. sponsored by Dare. <laughs> Drugs are viruses. That's their new slogan. Um, yeah, so the, I don't know, all, they're just robots. I don't know. I'm bored. They're bored. You know what's fun about them is their, their race sheet has all this binary on it. Mm-hmm. And that binary, when you decode it, just ends up saying, die, 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 over and over and over again. I think that th- they've done this theme with, with the Necro of them just being a little too aggressive. Mm-hmm. You know, I yeah. don't, I don't consider them that aggressive you They're, don't they could be they could be know? pretty i right. think if i'm playing them you should consider them like i don't think they're that <laughs> yeah <real>. suddenly <laughs> when hunter's playing them suddenly they're not that aggressive no 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 listen guys listen if you give me your support for the throne <laughs> then i can guarantee i'll never why would i i don't need that tech yeah. listen buddy i don't need that tech you can get it i'm not I'll gonna just, get it i'm just i'm not just listen, gonna put this destroyer barony barony okay. If you research non-Euclidean shielding, let me just go ahead and make a solemn <laughs> promise to you. I'm not going to steal it. Okay, oh, I'm not even that's interested so in nice it. That's so nice of you. There's like Thank just so a much. lot of other stuff going on in yeah. my game right now. Yeah, that guy over there has mage and defense grid. You might as well. Yeah, I'm actually trying to jump all the way across the map at that guy because yeah. he's got mage in. And yeah. I'm thinking that that would be pretty that's cool gonna do it for you. to have that. Let's talk about what we're talking about. Yeah, what does the necrovirus do? Um, their racial abilities. Their first one is galactic threat. You cannot vote on agendas. Once per agenda phase, after an agenda is revealed, you may predict aloud the outcome of that agenda. If your prediction is correct gain one technology that is owned by a player who voted how you predicted let's Whoa. not go yeah, into details that. yeah ta- that's a big that. one yeah. sidebar technological singularity is their second ability once per combat after one of your opponent's units is destroyed you may gain one technology that is owned by that player there it is yeah. that's the meat of the necro virus but that comes with a weird caveat which is called propagation you cannot research technology. When you would research a technology, gain three command tokens instead. Ooh, what was that last part? Gain three command tokens instead of researching technology. Oh, boys and girls, I'm pretty sure that's underlined on the race sheet, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> it's in no, bold it letters. It takes up the entire... Every time I look at the race sheet, <laughs> I just see that line. <laughs> Um, let's talk about their commodities. It's three. Done talking about commodities. We've exited that part. Now let's talk about the flagship. And this is where we got in. We had to. We had some trouble. We had to think. And I think you'll hear in the wording here how we kind of had a freak out, a complete yeah. meltdown on the wording of this ability. But their flagship is called the Elaster. And here's its ability. <sighs> Sit down, baby. At the start of a space combat, choose any number of your ground forces in the system to participate in that combat as if they were ships. Ooh. It's a doozy. Every single ground force just gets to jump up into space. They get to soak hits. They get to do damage that is better than fighters. They do not count against fleet supply. They cannot be targeted by a lot of things. They are not Fighters, there's a lot of weird things that happen with them. There's some things that it's advantageous that they are non-fighter ships, but they technically currently count as ships. They participate in the combat as if they were ships. We will talk so much about the flagship throughout the course of this episode, so let's just drive home the point that you have to get this. Yes. You do not play the Necrovirus and not get the flagship. And if your flagship dies, you will rebuild the flagship. Yes, you will. 
Um, and yeah, so your ground forces are kind of this amorphous blob. Mm-hmm. When you need them to be in space, they're in space fighting with yep. you, like weird not fighter fighters. And when you need them to be on the ground, they're going to be on the ground. There is, yes. the guys, there's not a restriction there currently with that. Yeah. And the wording of it uh, did throw us for a loop several times, but this is how we currently understand it to work. They um, start. Let's start. Let's talk about starting tech. They start with DAX of animators, which kind of reinforces the ground, mm-hmm. like the, their reliance on ground forces. And their racial tech is quite interesting. Um, it's two techs, both called Veilfar Assimilator. Um, one is X and one is Y, and basically the way it works is you use it to take other people's racial tech. Yeah. And you start with the tech technically. In some ways, it can break the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, in some games, it's just like, oh, you're gonna get some cool abilities. You start with a dreadnought, a carrier, two infantry. Two fighters, one cruiser, one space sock. So they fall a little bit short of that two carrier, four infantry baseline that we want. The Dreadnought helps a little bit, but you're going to need to get some stuff done round one. What I don't like is the lack of infantry. I would really kill for it to be three infantry, especially like we've just said. We're already kind of setting up. There is a reliance on infantry with uh, the Necrovirus. And their racial promissory note is called antivirus at the start of a combat place this card face up in your play area while this card is in your play area the necro player cannot use his technological singularity faction ability against you if you activate a system that contains one or more of the necro players units return this card to the necro player um this is kind of in the same vein as stymie yeah um, well i would a little less oh yeah not nearly bad. to the same effect but it's 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 one I wouldn't give out too often. I don't know. I, I can see reasons I would give it out. Pretty. Yeah. I would compare it more to Pillage. Uh, uh, pr- promise of Protection. Promise of Protection. The Mentac. Yeah. Promise um, because it's it's an ability that you're going to take advantage of a lot, and to cancel it from one person, that's going to come up. That's yeah. going to not be a huge deal. Yeah. So I definitely would not trade it to one of your neighbors. But that's kind of a bit of analysis before we the, get into the meat. Yeah. Um, one thing that we would like to say before we really get started is when it comes to talking about the necro virus, when mm-hmm. it comes to strategy, if you do a quick Google in your old Google bar, <laughs> you're going to find that there's actually not a lot said out um, currently as far as TI4 goes. Yes. It's kind of a bit of a mystery, and I think the problem is that because their tech game isn't really dependent on what they want, it's hard to really form a strategy around them. So we've kind of narrowed it down here at the beginning. We're going to talk about what will always be true here at the top when it comes to the Necro virus. The the thing about Necro is in our tier list... We rated them situational. We said they were situational, and some of that still holds. So the reason this guide is so hard to do is because... There are many different types of situations that Necro can run into. So we're not going to go through all of them. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, we want to start with what, Hunter, what are the known factors with the Necrovirus? What, what is not situational? What will never change? Two, two major points I want to make before we get into everything is that, as we've already said, that flagship is crucial. Mm-hmm. And we're going to go ahead and say the way that it is crucial is primarily defensively. It may be the best defensive unit in the game. Yeah. And we're going to couple that point with one thing. Mechatol Rex is always going to be worth victory points. Mm-hmm. And the reason we want to say that is not to make some... We're not trying to get into some sort of argument that Necrovirus is a Mechatol Rex race. Right. It isn't. But there, it can be really daunting to play as Necrovirus because sometimes all of the <laughs> early victory points could be tech-focused. Or mm-hmm. you might get a tech-focused special... Our uh, secret objective. Yeah. If you get that, that could be daunting because for everybody else, that means, oh, I just got to take tech and research whatever I right. want. And for you, that means you have to fight that many people, yeah. that many battles. Yeah. You have to fight. 
And that can be really daunting. And if a lot of that comes up, that could really wreck your game. So what we want to call to attention to is that if that is happening to you, I think it's time for you to focus on Mechatolrex. Yes. And now we're really getting ahead of ourselves, but we wanted to make this point yes. before we get into the nitty-gritty. Just know that with, with all things falling apart, you can always go for Mechatol. You, you can just always do that, and you can always try to eke out points that way. Mm-hmm. If everything else fails, go for Mechatol. Park your flagship on Mechatol with as many ground yep. forces as is possible, and there's no limit to that with the flagship. Right. But now let's do this. Let's go early game. Let's do this mm-hmm. how we normally do. We just wanted to make those points at the beginning. Oh, also, let's start. A, let's talk about their home system. Uh, it's not very good. Yeah. Okay. It's a 4-0. So It's fine. It's not great, but it's whatever. Um, the zero is a little bit obnoxious, Hunter. but whatever. Early game, Here's, let's here's talk. my question for yeah. you, Hunter. Yeah, let's do it. Load me up with questions. We're building the map. Mm-hmm. What kind of home system, what kind of home slice does the necrovirus want? I would say in this way they're quite generic in that it, really anything will work. Mm-hmm. What you want to focus on more than a specific slice is who your neighbors are. Yes. You want to be next to tech specialty races. What's your ideal neighbor? Probably Jolnar. Sure. Um, what are some other good ones that would be great for you? Um, Barony. Barony would be a really good one. Mentak. Mentak would be a really good one. Um, L1Z1 would be a really good one. Mm-hmm. Um, anybody that gets either very interesting, good racial tech, Arborak, Sardak, Sardak, Nor, Sardak, almost everybody. Oh, like, if the person is gonna, if the race is going to go for their racial tech, they are probably someone good to go for. It's funny that I suggested Sardak, Nor because they're not gonna get a lot of tech, but we're gonna later on suggest that they definitely get their Dreadnought Two upgrade, mm-hmm. and yeah, and Necro two, wants that. Yeah. <laughs> so you need that. Essentially, yeah, we could talk all day about all the different uh, neighbors you yeah. could have, but the, essentially the point we want to make is that for you, it's more about who you're sitting next to yes. le- and less your own pie slice. Now, that doesn't mean pick a bad pie slice. Right. Pick a good one, but there are a lot of factors that don't apply to you, like tech specialties. Yeah. Those are useless to you. I want to drive home that tech specialty point, too, of really try to surround yourself with pie slices that have a lot of good tech specialties. Yeah. Because your neighbors are going to have this extra incentive to go for late game tech, which means you are also getting to go for late game tech. So it's like, it's it's not a crucial thing. I wouldn't sacrifice, I wouldn't take the lowest resource value system if just because it's in between a bunch of technology specialties. But all things even go for the one that's sandwiched between a bunch of technology specialties. Um, This is a point that I think we're kind of, it might get confusing for you as a listener. Um, There are times that we're going to talk about stifling tech as a necro, but in a long-term kind of way, you do want people to research good tech because that's how you get good tech. So sometimes people have made an argument of like, oh, I'm the necro, I want to take the tech specialty planets. That's why nobody can use them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a little too long-term (laughs) stifly. Versus, like, there are maybe some short-term reasons that you're going to want to stifle tech at certain times, yeah. but not not like that. That's right. that's too much. Right. So let's talk strategy cards. So yeah, we we placed the map. We didn't really care where we ended up necessarily. What uh what do we need to take round one? Uh, I'm gonna say that you're there's a lot of different ways we could go with this mm-hmm. um, for necro, and I just feel like my favorite is taking tech. Yeah. Because it stifles tech a little bit um, out of the gate, which is fine. At the beginning, you're not going to be able to attack many of your neighbors. So you don't really want, like, Jolnar getting 
the tech mm-hmm. uh, button and getting to research lots of tech and just kind of running away with it yeah. at the beginning because you're not going to have access to it for sure. Right. Um, so I like it in that it makes it where everyone kind of has to make a choice as far as tech goes, and you get leadership, Yeah, basically. You get a bunch of command counters, and that's going to always be useful. Without automatically giving everyone else an opportunity to right. do that. Someone else will probably take leadership, but you at least get the benefits. And honestly, throughout the course of the game, as many times as you can take tech, that's probably going to remain a consistent theme of just like, hey, three command counters for nothing. Like, mm-hmm. it's, that's that's definitely worth it. You, we'll talk about this more later, but you get a better deal out of tech than most people get out of leadership. Right. So, what's next? What, what, what else? Okay, we didn't get tech. We, we, we went third. Let's get politics. Why? I'll just say, at this point, being the speaker... As Necrovirus has some interesting ramifications yeah. in the agenda phase, um, it is basically the only way you will ever get any kind of say, and also it takes away a crucial uh, negotiating chip yeah. at the agenda phase yeah. table. If we took politics round one, and we're taking the speaker token, is is there a setup for round two that we're trying to do? Is there an ideal... Round two, you're going to want to lock down either warfare or if you feel like uh, stifling tech even more and keeping that, you're either going to want a tech round two as well. Yeah. Um, or, well, because you didn't get it round one. Um, but, and also getting ahead on command counters is very important to yes. the necrovirus. And that is something that is a known quant- quantity with mm-hmm. necrovirus is that you have, a, have more ways to get command counters in anybody you should never ever ever have a command counter problem yeah just ever. never never you yeah. get three for researching a tech and that happens in all kinds of different situations right. there are lots of situations where you can automatically I mean, realistically you can spend a command counter and four resources to then gain you can net two command counters which for is four not, resources. i mean like it's, it's a better deal it's still a better deal than yeah uh than the leadership three influence yeah, yeah yeah for sure um but the, so the reason that I'm saying you're you're going to want to take politics round one as your second choice is only if you're looking at taking an early Mechatol Rex right. play. So that's kind of a way you can go with Necrovirus is then you'll take Warfare round two mm-hmm. and then use that to get to Mechatol to first. Mechatol. Okay. So I think in most games you're going to be able to get politics, but let's just kind of run down the list. You don't have to go into huge detail, but like, what are what's the next few tiers of strategy cards that you would want to get? Um, I would say leadership could be next, uh, just to also get ahead on command counters. Yeah. If you weren't able tech to get all taken, the tech, right. tech got taken. Uh, you still want the command counters. Uh, trade and diplomacy kind of work out to the same for yeah. Necro. Um, you're not going to be doing a lot of trade, most likely. People, mm-hmm. the meta really works against Necro. Um, as far as trade goes, um, Diplo is kind of the same thing. It's just like, yeah. are you getting those extra resources so that you can build uh, your, you know, more than just a carrier and an extra infantry, which is your opening build? So why is warfare so low on your list of round one takes? Why don't you want warfare round one? You only start with two infantry. Mm-hmm. That's essentially why. Um, so you can at best build more infantry in your home system take all your adjacent systems i mean it's not the worst play in the world but you could i mean if you're if you're really wanting to commit to the mechatol thing in round one sure maybe but i don't see i i feel like that is too early of a commitment to the idea Mm -hmm. because at least when you take politics you're saying hey i could go for that but i also still just get my first pick Mm -hmm. depending on what the public objectives are that's what i don't like about warfare is you're essentially saying i've already decided what my first two rounds are going to be yeah 
Yeah, definitely. So um, what are the secondary abilities that we need to use our command counters on? Um, you have a massive need for the secondary of warfare. That's the other reason not to take it. Yes. So you, you really need to use warfare to build that, uh, to build that carrier and ground forces. The yeah. thing is, the alternative, taking warfare for yourself, means that you're, not, uh, you're, you're building those infantry and locking them down. And I don't know, I just, I'd rather get them out there. I'd rather get them moving. Yeah, yeah. even if you're going to be able to release that system, you're not getting much benefit versus playing some other strategy card, getting its benefits, and then doing the same play that Warfare would have allowed you. And also, let's remember, if I recommended tech because it gets you command counters. Right. Which allows you to... Uh, hold on. Hold. Yeah, to hold for all this. You don't have to send out... Your dreadnought with your carrier. Mm -hmm. You've got a dreadnought, a carrier, and a cruiser. I think that's another good reason for politics. You might get an action card that lets you delay once. Might might be right. necessary. I mean, that's that's a low thing. I'm not I'm not saying like yeah, you want politics because you want that action card. But it's like it that can help. Mm -hmm. It's another way to help. Our first, our top three picks are tech, politics, leadership. All three of those have the capabilities to stall and hold out to mm -hmm. do the secondary of warfare. Mm -hmm. And that's and that's a big pri priority for you. Um, the other secondary you want to look out is. Uh, for diplomacy, refreshing yeah. the planets that you took mm -hmm. um, to allow you to build more when you build off the secondary of warfare. Yeah, um, build build again in your home system before the round is over. You yeah. should you should have the command counters for it, so it's not that crazy to believe that you could get the carrier and two ground forces out, and then later build a dreadnought to keep it home. For sure, for sure. <clears throat> so let's talk opening moves. I say we're going to try and wait for diplomacy to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, if you can play tech after somebody plays diplomacy. That is kind of ideal. Um, might not happen. You need to expand, obviously, and you need to build a carrier and two infantry. Those are kind of your big... It's a really basic opening. For, for such a weird race, you have a pretty standard opening yeah. idea of what you're trying the, to do. I feel like the only argument someone could make... I guess the alternative I could see you going with this is going for warfare because you're trying to get closer to a neighbor mm -hmm. to try and get their tech. Yeah. Um, if you have a neighbor like Jolnar, this might be worth it. It yeah, might maybe, be worth it maybe. to get your Dreadnought cruiser and to just send it all out there yeah. and get it close enough. I mean, the sooner you get Sarween tools, the sooner you're going to be able to start pumping out more ground forces, extra resources, stuff it's like true. that. So it's it's worth looking at. Um, so let's talk about that then. The conversation for starting tech for Necro is a completely different conversation, right? Different. I don't get to decide my pathway, but what do I have my eye out for? And this this also went down into, depending on how you choose your galaxy, like if you know the races that you're sitting down with, then you'll know what their starting techs are maybe. So Hunter, what are we looking for early? Um, Sarween. Yep. Is, I mean, it's an obvious tech. It's one of the best ones in mm -hmm. the game. Um, gravity drive would be nice. That's Jonar. one of the great things about playing, about taking the tech um, strategy card, is that you also decide when someone researches. Yes. So you can flip tech, and this is just kind of a general thing, but you can flip tech, let someone research something, and then go fight them. Yeah. This is kind of why you said maybe wait for diplomacy to get played, because to a certain extent, depending on what you're wanting to do, yes, you wanted to stall out keeping from someone from getting two techs but you do kind of want everyone to get a tech mm -hmm. round one which is why you wait for diplomacy to get played all of a sudden everyone has all this extra money maybe anyone who did the secondary of it then you play tech so that everyone you can almost be an open book about that hey right. guys i'm gonna time tech out so that you can all get tech because obviously 
I I want your tech. Like that's gonna never be a question. Like that's what his what your goal is. So yeah, I think it's totally fine to like let the table know. I can time this out for you if you make it worth my while or whatever. Like I we we can we can work together on making tech happen for people. Also, one of the things I like about uh, not going for warfare is being able to keep my cruiser back at my home system and possibly ready to pop out. It still moves too. You know, right. you depending on how your neighbor expands, you could get there. Right. You know? Right. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I just think it's better to take tech. I think honestly, I feel like the way we build the strategy card part uh, is assuming that you're not gonna go for warfare and we're building all these arguments against it. But yeah. I could see someone being like, I like to play it this way. Yeah. This is just a more conservative necro yeah. um, play, I think, in general. I think this is a reaction to like just the ways we're feeling about all these different strategy cards. Um, they're, they're starting to all feel a bit more nebulous to us, so everything feels a little bit like an option. Mm-hmm. I will say in general, one of, uh, as far as starting tech goes, ways you can get kind of, um, just kind of messed up as Necrovirus is based on tech colors. Yeah. Tech colors are kind of hard for you. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I mean, any tech objective is difficult for you. So kind of look at that. This is why Jolnar is such a good neighbor, like, neighbor yeah. for you because they they start with one of each color. Right. Um, so Yeah, be looking out for tech objectives where it's like have two of two different colors because you might need to start working on that ASAP mm-hmm. because you're not going to know which direction things go in later. And it's going to be very, very difficult for you to like turn your strategy around to go back for those tech probably and also keep an eye out for upgrades people that upgrade early yeah you're going to want to go ahead and grab those yeah because there's some upgrade related objectives and yeah you just want to be able to to have that already in the bag the more times you've already got the tech done when the objective comes out the better because if you have to go out looking for it your game takes a really weird turn because then you're just kind of like randomly lashing out at people and hoping you get some good kills Mm mm-hmm Let's talk about mid-game. Let's talk about commodities and early trading. Uh, this is just kind of a weird arena, I feel like, for Necrovirus. Yeah. Uh, you're generally going to, I mean, you're going to have neighbors. Right. Because you're going to have to and attack people And they are not going to want to trade with you. And they're, yeah, they're not really going to be, like, big fans of that because you're just, I mean, you have to attack them. Yeah. I mean, I could see possibly trading your promissory note to someone like and just being like I don't I'm not going to want any of your tech and yeah. trading with them the problem, that's so situational the problem i have with that promissory note question is the people that you are most likely to trade your promissory note to are the people who probably aren't going to go for tech which means they know that they're probably not going to go for tech which means they know your promissory note doesn't matter to yeah, them right, so there's not right. any reason for them to hold on to it unless you are just straight up giving it to them but like as a player myself, like I wouldn't give you two trade goods for your promissory note because it's like if you're giving me your promissory note, it means you already don't plan on going for me. Mm-hmm. I can can control whether or not I have advantageous tech for you. Mm-hmm. I have that power because I can get whatever tech I want. Right. So the promissory note tends to not really work in your favor in a significant way, which means you just don't have a lot of bargaining chips. You don't you don't have a good way to get into the trade game. Yeah. Um, I think the your best strategy for trade is uh, threatening people. Yeah. Pay me so that I don't attack this for the tech. Right. Essentially, that's that's probably the easiest route to any sort of trade for you. I was actually, in one of the games I played as Necro, I was able to convince my neighbor to give me their support for their throne. And basically, the reason they gave it to me is they were sar and they did not want me to come up their 
butt, yeah, basically. Carve up their um, what they left. So behind. they gave me support for the throne that effectively functioned as the promissory note mm-hmm. um, and gave me a victory point. Honestly, I feel like they kind of like overtraded to me. I'm probably. I, I mean, anytime you give a support for the throne, that's a really big deal. Yeah. But the way I was able to get it was by threatening him a bunch. Yeah. And I think in Stay general, aggressive. you're probably going to have to say things like yeah. that. You like, don't trade, you extort. Yeah. More more often than anything. You don't else. have anything with which to like really work on yeah. the trade table. You yeah. you're more just going to have to get people engaged cuz they're cuz they're going to look at you and realize like this guy is going to have to attack yeah. me. Like it's like you you're required to effectively. Right. Okay, so we don't have a lot of bargaining chips for trade. We talked about that agenda phase ability, but we kind of glazed over it. I think we need to get into how are you working the political scenarios in this game? Um, the important thing is your best chance for doing trade is during the agenda phase when you don't need to be neighbors with someone. Because anyone you're not a neighbor with is someone who isn't threatened by your steel tech ability. Right. And they're your best options for trading partners. That's so number true. one, don't forget that you can trade during the agenda phase and be telling people that you want, you know, to tell that person across the table that hold on to your commodities until the agenda phase because I want to trade with you. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. Right. The much, much, much bigger thing is what in the world are Necrovirus doing during the now very long agenda phase? Well, they don't get to vote. Right. We, we know that. Um, and with your Galactic Threat ability, you can, on one of the agendas, not both, don't misread that, yeah. you can predict the outcome. And if you're correct, you get a tech based on how someone votes. So it's so, almost like a rider ability, except for it, the tech it, that you're allowed to get is something that that person already owns. Right. Um, it It's useful. It's kind of difficult. It's it's yeah. tough to work it out. The I problem would say is the, bo- the rest of the table has more ways to deal with it than you have ways to take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. So I want to say one thing up front is don't expect this ability to get you tech very often. Right. Sometimes it might get you a tech, but more often you should just think of this ability as a blocker vote. You get to say what everyone probably shouldn't vote for this is also one of the reasons that i recommended (laughs) politics i forgot to say it when we were there um but taking politics round one round two anytime is good because you want to pick agendas that are going like you want to put agendas at the top that are going to be a difficult vote for people um so that you because you can sort of influence the way people vote right you can create a situation where uh, you pick an agenda that people are obviously all going to want to vote this one way on. Yeah. Say that and and enjoy the against. So you always want to do, sorry, you're always going to want to pick a for or against yes. because anything else is very difficult to predict. Never do an elect planet. Never do an elect planet or an elect player. Elect players like, depends on what's yeah. happening, but an elect planet, it's a, you, if you are playing a rider card or doing the necro ability on an elect planet scenario, you have wasted that card or ability yeah it's just so easy to get around that so anyways you're going to want to go for or against and if you pick a really juicy agenda you could create a situation where you're either going to get a tech or they're going to have to go with the thing that they don't want to go for and that's the situation that you want to be going for as necro also when you're the speaker even though you're the necro you still get to break ties yes so if for some reason things even out in the vote you're going to get to be there. That's not going to happen hardly ever, but they do have to consider it. You're going to force people to spend more votes than they wanted to if you're the speaker. I will say this. When I was Necro, I was I picked politics 
a couple times and once got to pick an agenda to be played that would allow people to get tech Mm -hmm. Uh, and it allowed me to receive like nine command counters or something crazy i was technically supposed to research three tech which i got three yeah like or maybe it was two tech. I don't even remember. Yeah, but I, but I got insane. a ridiculous amount of command counters from this thing. And I knew they wanted to go with it. And I was able to predict the against. Yes. So even if they didn't go with it, I was going to get tech anyway. Right. It so, just didn't matter. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, controlling, knowing what's coming is really the biggest thing in your benefit. Mm-hmm. Controlling it a little bit, but knowing what the vote is going to be so that you know what to put your ability against. Because you're only going to get to pick one of those agendas. So you want to know what the juicy one is as right. best you can. Right. Um, so let's talk. Do we want to talk text path now? This is all right. We're gonna get really we, dicey. We like to talk about what's kind of your overarching goal for tech with most races. We we just can't do that with Necrovirus. So we're gonna try to speed through this and make it a much quicker discussion. Well, let's Hung- talk, let's actually I have an idea. Um, let's let's talk about them in several different clusters. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So the first cluster, the thing that we know, I remember going back to what we talked about at the very beginning, is that you could play Necro as a kind of Mechatol heavy race yes. where you're playing for Mechatol and you're going to do that with your flagship. Yes. And you're going to do that by building lots and lots of ground forces yes. and having that be like a, like literally like I had like 14 ground forces that hit on an eight mm-hmm. as non fighter ships. Right. Um, defensively. So you're just going to park a bunch of ground forces on Mechatol and hold it. What tech are out there that go well with that? Transit diodes! Transit diodes! Yay! Yeah. Transit diodes is probably always going to be good for you, but it's especially good for if you want. It's so good with the Necrovirus that I'm almost to the point of arguing that if Necrovirus is in your game, every race that would think about getting transit diodes, I'm telling not to get transit diode. Like, it is incredibly powerful with that flagship that I don't think it is worth having on the table. Yeah. I think it becomes unobtainable. So, depends on your group, depends on your play style, depends on if Matt's at the table screaming at everyone not to get transit diodes. But if people get transit diodes as the Necro, you probably want to launch yourself at that person as fast as possible. Yeah, it it allows you... To, I don't know, it just gives you more options with that flagship. Mm-hmm. You can be a little more mobile with it. It's not super mobile. It's not like you're like catapulting ground forces into battle. But sure. almost, you're getting to yeah. refresh them pretty easily. Yes. And that's great. Um, so that's kind of the easiest one to call out. What are some other ones that kind of go along with that? Latani 2 would be really Again, interesting. <laughs> so all the, all the best techs for Necro are the ones that I'm going to say, that person just straight up shouldn't get it. Latani 2 is like the biggest one. Um, honestly, the both of the the soul racial upgrades, yeah, the soul carrier two and the soul spec ops two are really useful in your hands. You need that capacity for mm-hmm. your ground forces, and if with spec ops two, you now have these like non fighter ships hitting on a seven, and that's awesome. Yeah, that's uh, same goes for Latani two, but and they can also produce. But again, now we're in really specific territory. Yeah. The other thing, uh, hegemonic trade policy. Uh, goes really well with Mechatol Rex. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about this super defensive style, yeah. uh, if Winu's in, which Winu is actually a really interesting interaction with you in That's... general, but um, hegemonic trade policy is the one that where you get to exhaust a card when one or more of your units use production, you can swap the resource and influence right. values of the one of one planet. So if you control. if you dig into Mechatol and Winu's at the table, get their hegemonic, and you can use gonna... it as a six resource planet, which is completely insane. Yeah bonkers another another good one this one just kind of more general now more more general but along the same lines um when we get to the jolnar episode spatial conduit cylinder uh we're gonna 
I'm going to make the case that if you're getting spatial conduit cylinder, it's because you're making an early play for Mechatol as Jolnar. And so if Jolnar went for that when Necro was in the game, Necro can get Spatial Conduit Cylinder and do the same thing. I should go over what that is. Spatial Conduit Cylinder is a Jolnar racial tech. You may exhaust this card after you activate a system that contains one or more of your units. That system is adjacent to all other systems that contain one or more of your units during this activation. So when you build on Mechatol, everybody comes to the party that wants to come to the party. Right, that's how you Specifically get... your flagship. Yeah, and your ground forces. Yeah. Yeah. Non-Euclidean shielding is always kind of a dream. Yeah, uh, I mean, honestly, it's funny that we bring that one so late because that's, like, the number one thing to bring up as Necrovirus is, like, you want to get ne non-Euclidean shielding because I don't... It's not one of the texts that I say Barony shouldn't get if Necro's in the mm -hmm. game. I say Barony, get it no matter what, and Necro should be going for it as well. I think for me it's now, I think before I felt that way about it, but now because of the emphasis on infantry, yeah, I feel like I'm looking at the, the board a little bit differently. But it just depends. I might I might not be having a game that we're yeah. describing. I'm, I might not be going for that Mechatol cluster. I might be going for something that's more space battle. Yeah, cruiser-focused. Um, cruiser-focused or like, yeah. Uh, Non-Euclidean shielding. Again, this really is this is then. this is how wide we have to talk. There's no, there is no one strategy for Necro. So yeah. you really have to just pay a lot of attention to what tech everyone is getting and design your strategy around what's going to work best for you. I mean, it's it is impossible to go through every single scenario. I mean, if you start next to Barony, you're going to get Non-Euclidean, and you're, gonna you're get probably going to get Duranium armor, yep. and you're going to have these really crazy, awesome fleets, and you're also going to have your flagship, and yep. hopefully you can make that work as well right. with the ground forces. Some other ones to look out for, uh, if you can get a hold of the Sardak um, Dreadnought, the Exotrireme, um, that goes really well with non-Euclidean and Dreadnought yeah. armor. That goes yeah. amazing. And uh, if anything, it goes really well with just your ability. The ability yeah. to send in a Dreadnought, blow it up, and get some hits, you yes. just got a tech. I mean, you're sacrificing a Dreadnought for just a tech. That's obviously not... You're not just throwing your Dreadnought at people, but, but, but you're late, getting something out of it. The thing is, late game, there's going to be a want to not let you get any more tech because that could possibly be for victory points. We could right. possibly be for the game. Right. So, I mean, again, you really got to look at situationally what's going on. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing is go War Sons. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go, I mean, just get War Sons when someone... If, if someone gets, gets War, War Sons, get War Sons. Yeah, like. yeah we, we brought up Exo Trireme. I should say, uh, if the Yin racial tech that lets them blow up a destroyer at the start of combat, it's worth going for. Again, that's a free tech. Lose, yeah. Spend one destroyer for a tech, that's pretty good. Any automatic, like, hit or destroy... Assault cannon. Yeah, assault cannon... Um, the Ghost of Creus Dimensional Slicer yes. yeah. tech could be situationally Slicer. useful. So that's free tech for you. Yeah. Basically, anyone's racial tech, you are getting pro almost, in most cases, a better version of their racial tech. Because you're able to do more with it. Especially those automatic hits. So, again, the world's your oyster. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Mirror computing is great. Quantum data hub node. Like, there are just so many texts that's just like, you should get that. If you can get Clannisar's Floating Factory 2, go for it. Um, that's one I don't think should ever hit the table if Necro's at the, you know, there. Right. But, but maybe. It's... I think in general, the advice that we've been trying to give you is to look for synergy mm -hmm. like you need don't just get anything yeah don't just get random stuff because that's not going to help you as much as you specializing something that's yes. going to be useful to you which is why the mechatol play is an important one to drive home because again you know you're going to be able to do that so looking for defensive texts and specifically throwing yourself into the center of the board and then launching things in whichever direction get 
defensive tech that's going to help you in the long run. I mean, yeah. that's, that is the only strategy we can de facto say that is available to you. Right. Everything else, see see what happens. In my eyes, there's like three primary clusters. There's going infantry heavy and just looking for infantry tech because you're going to want, because you're wanting to use your flagship and overutilize it. Yeah. Um, there's the one where you kind of just play as like a barony, like you just yeah. try and play really awesome capital ships and get all of that tech. Right. Um, and then there's a War Sun thing. Like yeah. you just go for War Suns, get right. it, and then play that game yeah what went wrong let's, let's talk start about... yeah let's start talking about damage control because yeah. that is more often what you're dealing with in a necro game right. than anything else your your idyllic scenario is like oh i'm just like drowning in command counters and tech and i get to do whatever i want but more often than not the table turns against you very early what are you trying to do build ground for so my ideal situation and i sort of got this in the game that i played mm -hmm. is you've been uh, either pulling like a mechatol play or you've been aggressive with your flagship and lots of ground forces yeah it gets destroyed yeah you rebuild it at your home system and just start stacking yeah. infantry on it yeah worst case scenario with anything always put your flagship in your home system because yeah. you can make it to where you can't be taken out of the game i mean right. it's so defensively capable unless you do it way too late you're not gonna be able to take advantage of so if you start to see the tides turn against you just start working on that in the background of everything else. Get the flagship there and just every chance you can put some more ground forces down because you want that contingency plan of, sure, you stopped me from getting more victory points, but there's no way you're getting my home system. The, the, the best end game scenario for Necrovirus is, oh my gosh, Necro has it in their sights. They're going to be able to win. We need to stop them. Oh, every single plastic piece in the game is on their home system. What do we... We can't. We can't. We mm -hmm. can't. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, your your best case scenario is outside of your home system, you kind of lashed out at objectives pretty crazily and defended super hard at your home system. Your, your ability to soak with that flagship is probably the best soak ability in the game. I mean, yeah. it's better than... it's In some ways, it's better than Barony because... You're not only are you taking a hit, you're destroying a ship. Yeah. So when someone and nothing can stop it, nothing, no, nothing chews through that. Right. There's not sustained damage that's getting canceled. It's just it's literally you're you're doing what you're supposed to do. Yeah. You're taking a hit, you're losing it. It's just that you have no cap mm -hmm. on how many hits you can take. You can take as many hits as ground forces you can like produce. Yeah. And you can have unlimited ground forces on a planet. Right. Defensively, you are that's unstoppable. You are insane. You're a juggernaut. Yeah. If you if I mean, you I let yourself think... get away with it, it's it's pretty much unstoppable. Mm -hmm. What happens if we're getting a bunch of tech objectives? There's just so many we there's no way we're gonna keep up. See that's why I say the Mechatol thing. Yeah. I feel forget like forget about it. Yeah, I well so the Mechatol situation creates a really interesting thing when it comes to the tech thing. If you're getting a bunch of tech objectives, I'm going to encourage you to go for Mechatol for a couple reasons. The first reason is that you're a defensive powerhouse. So if you get there, if you get rooted into Mechatol, yeah. you, you will defend it handily. Now, even if you fail, how, what happens when you fail? Oh, that means someone fought you? Yeah. And, and you that means you got some tech from them? Yeah. Two at least from the space battle and the... So what I'm saying is that you don't always have to be taking pot shots at people. Right. Let you them come to you. Let them come to you. Get in Make their way. them come to you. Right. By going for Mechatol. Taking it from a not Mechatol perspective, 
the same still holds true. Just inserting yourself into any situation yeah. and forcing someone to attack you is effectively the same as taking pot shots. Right. You know. Right. You don't always have to go for everyone, the like, yeah, two cruiser exactly. attack. Everyone, everyone loves to point that out with the necro, but that's really not the best play in your arsenal. Right. Two cruisers are like that's you lost two you lost two resources. You just researched attack kind of the hard way, and you didn't Ooh. even quite get to choose what right. you wanted. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think this is as centered as I can make this yeah, at this point. it's too open-ended. So let's talk about counters, because this is m- maybe where we can get some better ideas, because really it, it all comes down to who your neighbors are as Necro, mm-hmm. depending on whether or not you're going to have a good game, and especially depending on whether or not you're going to have a bad game. So who do we counter? Or is or if, if we can even call it a counter. Who's, w- who's a good neighbor to have? I, that's more what it's about. Yes. Is you, you don't really counter anybody specifically, not off right off the bat. Right. You can certainly build a necrovirus that can counter a lot of things. Yeah. But um, Jolnar, you want the... Man, being next to a Jolnar yeah. is... Everything. Very, very different yeah. from anything else. And to that same end, L1Z1X. L1Z1X. Because they're going to go for... Inheritance systems. Yeah, they're going to go for inheritance systems. Which is and- a useful... A useless ability for you to right, take, but you but are we, capitalizing on them utilizing. Right, it. they're going to get a lot of very interesting tech. That guess what is going to become your yes. tech. Anything that emphasizes a lot of uh, oh, like d- can't can uh, can't do non fighters. Yeah, like all of those. L one Z one even has that same interaction. Right, like you can get through yes. their non fighter thing because your ground forces aren't oh, fighters, fighters and are ships. Yeah. Um, Mentac to this. To You're gonna get a lot extent. of money because there's no, yeah. there's no reason a Mentac's gonna not go for mirror computing, right. pretty much, or a good tech of some kind. Um, Federation of Soul. Federation of Soul is great because you want their racial tech. Yeah, you so. want all the neighbors where them getting their racial tech isn't the worst thing in the world. Basically, mm-hmm. the Arborek isn't a great neighbor because if you're Arborek's neighbor, it just means Arborek's not gonna get all of their best. And they tech. don't. And we've talked ex- they don't extensively at how much they don't necessarily need it. Right. So you yeah the, these Jolnar L one X Child Mentax Soul those are those are kind of our best guesses. So who counters us? Who's who are we afraid of? Well, this or is are where we, we get... actually afraid of anybody? Well, the, I think there's one very surprising race I'm going to pick as the yes. one that you're actually afraid of. Yeah. But um, let's talk about the other ones. Uh, Barony is a very interesting neighbor because I feel like at best you could sort of just tie with Barony. Right. You can't quite to, like... to a very literal extent where. Barony and Necro, I want to point this out because it's yeah. fun. Barony yeah. and Necro have the potential to have a full-on stalemate. If you both have Duranium armor. Mm-hmm. And which you, is likely. This is likely. And if you both have non-Euclidean shooting, Definitely shielding, likely. which is likely, and you both bring two Dreadnoughts to a fight, that fight will never, ever, 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 ever end because you can constantly repair more than is available to be repaired and... We don't actually have an answer yet on how that's going to shake out. So be prepared for an eventual something because they're going to have to tell us what we do in the case of literally that combat cannot be finished. So think of your entire matchup against Barony like that single combat. Mm -hmm. You guys are just going to butt heads in the weirdest way. Yeah. I will say that um, Barony does have a lot of bombardment. Yeah. The thing is, it's kind of hard to make it to that step against the Necro. But if they do, that will be pretty devastating. Honestly, in most cases, if you're putting your fighter or if you're putting your infantry into the space battle, that means they're committed to the space battle, which means if they've if they make it past the space combat, the planet is already gone. 
you've just committed all of your ground forces. Is that not... No, if you... I'm saying if, if they win the space combat, it means they beat all of your infantry. Oh, I guess They killed true. all of them. Oh, I see. I There's see. nothing left on the planet. You're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah, that is, um, so, so you really are... It's just that Barony... Okay, here's why. Barony is the best, next to you, the best hit soaker. Yes. So they're the ones that have the most Might likely, be able to fight back. Might be able to do yeah. it. If you don't have enough ground forces and they've got more hits they can soak, there is, there is, it's definitely very possible for Barony to come at you and be able to soak more hits than your, than your ground forces right. can. And in that case, they will have an easier time of it. Yeah. Um, we I, should make a special mention of one of the few things that is really great, we'll say, about the Winu. Yay. And the Winu's flagship. I think the I think the Winu's flagship is pretty bad, but against the Necro, I mean, it is practically designed to counter. Yeah. Um, and even then, though, I won't call it a specific counter because really it just matches up against it. Uh, the Winu's flagship. We should read it because we haven't gotten to them yet. Is when this unit makes combat rolls, it rolls a number of dice equal to the number of your opponent's non-fighter ships in the system. Every single ground force you put in this is a non-fighter. Uh, ship so it's gonna roll on a seven for every single infantry you bring to this fight which realistically basically matches the infantry so it's not so much a counter as just something to bump up against it but you're not gonna soak as many hits as the necro is gonna soak so if you're really hoping for a good round of if combat. it's supported by a good uh fleet yeah. it could be good fighter counter. screen or because whatever. i mean that's like i mean i had maybe 15 or 16 ground yeah. forces insane um in that one game that we played, which means the Winu sh ship would have rolled 16 dice yes. just for itself yes. on a 7. That would have been pretty devastating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Sardak Nor. Sardak Nor is... It's useful for Sardak Nor to get their Exo Trireme 2, even though it's going to allow you to also get it. The to fact use it against you. If they can use it against your flagship, to they sacrifice it. a Dreadnought and say, blow up your flagship. We... Are pretty sure that if the flagship dies all the ground forces immediately have to retreat back down to the planet um and so while that's still maybe like 10 ground forces on a planet that that person's probably not going to be able to take at least they were able to take the space so the 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 exo trireme 2 can target a flagship and cancel out that ability yeah basically any anyone that has an ability that would allow them to specifically point at a ship <gasps> and say that ship is destroyed would be a pretty good counter to the Necro. Wait and a I think second. we're done talking about counters. And Wait a really second. Other... Who are you saying is a counter to the Necro virus? I'm, I can't really think of anyone that would be good. Uh, no. I, the Yin can't do, choose. Do you, do you hear? I hear this weird. Somewhere in the distance, I hear a Jada Pake screaming. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. The Yin Brotherhood. The Yin Brotherhood, the Yin Brotherhood gets to produce a hit and assign it. To an opponent's ship, which means in a rare instance, it's a hit. It's a we're, hit. It's not a hit. It's not. It's, it's not. He has to it. sacrifice <laughs> to. It's. It's not. As is on theme with the Yin Brotherhood, it's not as good as it could be. Yeah. But you will get to assign a hit to the flagship and hopefully do one more damage to it to kill it. So it's a slow process, but you might have enough to stop it. That's not even actually why I wanted to bring up the Yin Brotherhood. You want to talk about. Idea. I wanted to talk about what the Yin Brotherhood took from Necrovirus, yeah. um, which is that they took Necrovirus's flagship, yep. and I think the reason that they have it is that it's kind of the only really, really solid, amazing counter yeah. is the Yin Brotherhood flagship, which is uh, just, you know, it's pretty simple. When this ship is destroyed, destroy all ships in the system. All ships. Ground forces will still be ships. Now, if 
This is, I'm going to say this much, this is an assumption we are making. Yeah. We have to currently believe that ground forces will be counted as ships still when the Van Hog blows up, which means all the ground forces would die. I believe But it. be prepared for us to maybe completely take that point back because we could be wrong there. We're, I there mean, isn't an official ruling on that. If you haven't realized that this whole episode might be redacted, then yes. yeah. <laughs> this flagship just, like, might have all these crazy little contingencies to it that, like, we we weren't prepared for. So, again, maybe, probably, the Yin is an okay counter against the Necro because one of their racial abilities can work decently against it, and their flagship can definitely do some work. Yeah. And that's and that's how you know it's a desperate situation. Is if, if the we're Yin saying, is going like, to save the day. Well, yeah. <laughs> if, if we're recommending that you use the flagship that destroys everything. Yeah. But maybe that's what you got to do. I don't know. Yeah. Um... Hunter, what makes you a superpower? Well, hang on. I, I don't want to get the flack on this. So, Hunter, what about X-89 bacterial weapon? We covered it. It's too slow done. Right. Yeah, we already did. We covered it. Yeah. Also, you're not going to make it to that step. The problem is that if... It's like yeah. what you oh, said Oh, you have before. to control the space. You have so to control, have to the, control space. the space. You're not so, going to do that. Yeah. It, so, X-89 is absolutely, absolutely not a counter. Absolutely not a counter at all. Yeah. Because... This counters X-89 bacterial weapon. Right, yeah, because yeah. now your ground forces are in space, and that means if someone wants to use X-89, they're going to have to kill all of your ground forces, and guess what? Now X-89 isn't useful anymore. Yes. Right. You did it the hard way. Right. Okay. <sighs> Oofa doofa. Counters and whatnot. There's, there's so many things. What makes, what makes Necro a super power? Oh, I think their flagship's pretty good. Have we covered that yet? I don't think we have. Let's talk about their flagship. What does it do? <laughs> Um, no, that and then also, of course, something we haven't harped on enough, you should have so many command counters you, you can't really see should. straight. Like, by the end of the game, you can have whatever fleet supply you want, because you should be getting so... Every time you get command counters, just put one in fleet supply. Yep. Just do it, because you're going to get more, you're going to have enough. Right. Always be putting some in, because that's going to help you if you've already built up this huge fleet supply. Also, after round one, you can very easily take tech, yep. research to tech... Which is six. six command counters. That's insane. Yeah. For a cost of six, six resources. resources. That's two, maybe three That's planets. That's one-to-one resources. Yeah. If you get any trade goods, then you're in... I mean, it's insane. It's, it's completely insane. You Being should... able to get six command counters in one go yeah. is... Most easily, races that easily. Yeah, most races struggle to get like five yeah. play leadership, and oh, maybe I have a zero three and a zero mm-hmm. two and a one one or something. Maybe burn Mechatol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, you should have so many command counters, which is allowing you to move around the board like crazy. And having a bunch of command counters is what's allowing you to go after objectives really crazy. Necro is in that sort of similar boat as Clanisar, where like, save for protecting your home system alone, you should just be kind of like. What's the objective? All right, send all of it. Send the whole fleet mm-hmm. at it because my goal is to have enough actions to be able to rebuild, keep up enough economy to always be ready for any objective. Yeah, and I mean, like, it's really funny to bring this up now, but, like, there, there's definitely a necrovirus out there that gets Cruiser 2 off somebody yep. and then plays this really, like, I'm over I'm here messing yeah. with you. I'm over here messing with you. Yeah. You could do that. Um, I think in that case, if you want to play that way, you're going to want to build that flagship at home and start stacking ground forces yes, yeah. on it. If you're, if you're playing especially dicey on the rest of the board, you need to make sure your home system is, is backing it up. Yeah. Because you will otherwise become a very easy target for people. So where 
where am I consistently looking for my victory? If this is a situational race, like we said at the beginning, where am I trying to aim for my victory? The two basic, I, I think we, we can kind of go really easily from the point you were just making into this. You can either turn your home system into an untakeable um, hex, making yeah. you effectively uneliminatable. Yes. And play as risky and out there as you want, as much as you possibly can for victory points. Or you can park on Mechatol and be a Mechatol race. Yeah. Um, and like really dig yourself in there and yeah. force people to come after you. And the thing is, what's great about the Mechatol thing is that in actually a good case, you do you kind of lose and yeah. you get a bunch of tech out of that, out of being attacked over and over. And then guess what? Rebuild your rebuild your flagship at your home system and then right. just start stacking up after all those points you got from taking Mechatol. I like, that's the one, if you can't tell, I've been leaning towards yes. because I just know that it's always going to be true. Yeah, it, if anything, coming from the standpoint, we kind of made this point with um, with some Arborek errata, but just the idea of like going into a game as Necro with at least one known variable, that might be your best advantage because having to constantly readjust your strategy and play through all these loops, that's the hardest part of playing Necro. Mm -hmm. So our goal for you is if you have one takeaway, it's go for Mechatol because at least you have a solid strategy to use on that. Everything else is crazy caveats and crazy situations right, and right. you might be able to play to those situations, but we can't make any suggestions in those directions because then you're, I mean, Necro, more than any other race, is a race that plays Calvin Ball. And the rules change for you constantly, and you are always looking for new opportunities to make some sort of successes. But where you can always have some sort of success is Mechatorex. Yeah. We did it. Okay. We got through. Um, I'm going to do something real quick. Okay. Um, I am, if you, if, just imagine in your mind's eye <laughs> that I have like a, uh, like, like a mechanism in my hand and it looks like a it looks like something you would use to steer a ship uh-huh and it's connected to a system of pulleys and I'm, I'm 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 using that mechanism right now and the pulleys you're kind of the camera's following the pulleys and the pulleys are going to a floodgate uh-huh and the and i'm as yeah. i'm opening the floodgate, oh, no. Hunter, you see on no. the floodgate it says errata floodgate no! open don't open it for errata I actually meant that I expect a lot of errata on this episode. Speaking of, let's go to the Mentak errata. <laughs> hey, yo, what's up? It's uh, time for errata. And who knows what we just talked What did we talk about? Necrovirus. We talked about the necrovirus, and oh, wasn't it a good episode? And we made all those good points, and you know it. You know it, you jerk, you, you little toilet. Um, we got a bunch of feedback on our Mentac Coalition. Uh, one we did, a guide, I guess. Um, I don't know, I've never done this podcast before. <laughs> <laughs> got to get his legs. Off. I really got to get my. I, I could. Ne I never just like nail it. What do you want to do? Here, no, no, no. We're. This is it. We're, We're in, in it. it. This All is. Right. This is in the podcast. This is me explaining <laughs> everybody. Like I, we start with errata when we do a session, and like I really, you know, like at first I'm just really like I don't know. I'm like dainty at first. Um, but let's talk about all those things that uh, people hate about us and the mean things that they had to say. Um. Uh, Jeff uh, from down the street said we have dumb voices and bad hair. Um, 
And Jeff, we're going to disagree strongly. Um, I especially like Hunter's str- hair. Yeah, I like Matt's hair. And strategically, we have a lot of reasons within the game yeah. to like each other's hair. Yeah. No, let's start with uh, some people had something to say about Neural Motivator. So our first errata is from Grutar um, off from Board Game Geek. And he says that he thinks he prefers the yellow tech specialty rather than the green. Um, He's talking about how Matt so strongly recommended a very specific strategy involving uh, taking a green... Uh, planet and flipping it yep. to get to Cruiser 2. Yes. Um, he's saying that he prefers yellow versus green because he feels that Neural Motivator is preferable to Graviton Laser Systems. But if he had either in his hand of systems, he would be happy. He thinks Cruiser 2 during turn 2 is still early enough. Then it's about A lot of people said that. Tag. Lots of people said that. A lot this. of people said Cruiser 2 on round 2 is early enough. And Here's, here's what I really want to say about the Neural Motivator versus Green Tech Specialty Planet thing. It was more of an idyllic scenario, and I recognize that. So the point is, if you can make it work, I think you should go for it. Like, if you if you see the circumstances are going to align to where it's like, oh, that, that play is going to work, I think it is super, super, super worth going for because the payoff is very good. Not just in the number of planets you're gonna get, because if you get a second carrier or whatever, like you can probably get just about as many planets as with this play, but being able to very quickly position your cruisers in useful spots, that's the biggest benefit you're getting from this. So the trade-off saying, if that's not going to work out for you, if you're not gonna get the cruiser to upgrade fast enough, Yes, absolutely, like, abort mission and jump into, let's get Neural Motivator round one. Let's... Which is a good tech. Yes. We, are not, we do right. not say it's bad tech. Yeah, I only want you to skip it if you can make this other really great strategy work out. But otherwise, yeah, get Neural Motivator. I kind of want to synergize a, another point um, with this yeah. that Falcone made, yeah. um, which is that upon uh, his... He's, all, he's so good at breaking things down, this guy. Um Tarman, uh, so we're going to make it even more specific now. Yeah. Tarman, which is a green tech specialty planet, if that is in your home slice, not so great. Go for New Albion. So yeah. now it's almost literally specifically one hex, but it's clutch, guys. Yeah, if you can do it, it's amazing. And the other problem with this whole discussion is Hunter and I are coming from a... We build galaxies different than everyone else does. So the problem is a lot of our opinions on, like, what kind of starting map setups you're going to have, those are coming from our perspective of we do our co-op map build uh, thing. So if you're doing regular competitive rules, yeah, getting getting specific systems in your home system is, like, insane to believe that you could ever make that happen. Mm -hmm. But we're coming from this situation where you could build the map and then see where New, Mal- New Albion is, and then pick that pie slice. Right. It's not that hard to pick an optimal pie slice for you. The only person who can't really is like the person who goes last. Um, but most people can get a pie slice that works to their benefit. So that's that's definitely the other issue, is we're, we're coming from this kind of messed up um, perspective, and I don't see us changing that perspective, because we are always going to play with the co-op method, and I just really think everyone else in the world should because it is it's just better than the competitive method of building galaxies yeah it's like the i I don't know it's hard to it's it's something that we've been leaving out of the strategy uh for the entire time that we've talked about the game yeah um because i just feel like if you're talking about this game in a strategic way 
and you're not assuming that the galaxy is somewhat fair, right? Then what? Then are there's you, yeah. What are you really building all of your ideas on? Yeah, it's you know? impossible to talk about this game from a strategic perspective if one person can start the game with twelve resources in their pie slice and one person starts with four like that. We just we can't have that discussion that's that's not how this game it should would, be it balanced. would take too long yeah <laughs> we would have to make a, a caveat for every conceivable scenario yeah there would have to be kind of actually that could be maybe kind of fun uh the apocalypse <laughs> scenario for every single race like here's what you do if they gave you like a stick and yeah. a stone <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. uh but yeah um i maybe this might be a good time to sort of explain what's up with like we've had some episodes where yeah. the races have been like pretty wide as far as the way that we talk about them strategically, um, where we paint with a wide brush, yeah. which is, I think is a t- uh, phrase that I use a little too a much, lot. a little too much. <laughs> um, but we do that, and then we tried something different with uh, the Mentac, and you've just listened to our Necro episode where I assume we did something more specific. Yeah. But who knows? I mean, we haven't done it yet. So, <laughs> but. Uh, and basically what we want to say about that is our method of creating episodes about these races, um, we've each taken the lead yeah. on various races. Yeah. The, the gist is for each of us to play all 17 races was going, I mean, we, we play fairly often, but we don't play that often to be able to pump these episodes out on like a week to week basis of strategies. So uh, Hunter and I split the races in half. I took half and he took half. And we've been playing those races, and then we base our episodes off of those. So when when we do the Necro episode or the Isarl Tribes episode, Hunter took the lead on those, because those were races that were assigned to him. And the Mentac was me, and next week's Jolnar episode was me. Pretty much, so far at least, we've done every other episode. Mm-hmm. So you'll know who's kind of taking the lead based on... You know how many ago they did one but um, not only that as we go on the feedback we get um from the episodes has kind of caused us to like change our change it up a little bit mm-hmm. we had felt uh, like we both felt uh coming into the mentech episode that we had been really we'd cut really wide too you know, vague too vague yeah uh, let's bring up there was an actual comment where someone called us out for this yeah the cheat bear from twilight imperium subreddit mentioned that this was way too tenuous um the reliance on events happening in a certain order makes it way too unlikely for my liking um and i get that i t- i understand yeah. where y- you're coming from it's more like at this point we are just trying different things with yeah. Mentac. We, I'm, I'm not going to say that we were too specific the entire episode. I don't think that was true. I think we started with something specific, yeah, and then kind of bloomed out. Right, and there was some d- debate on which is easier to process as a listener. And the problem is we hear both sides of that argument getting you know thumbs up in either direction. So. We don't know if we're going to, you know, basically don't expect any of these to be especially consistent. Um, Some episodes it's going to be just all vague the whole time. Sometimes it's going to be like, nope, if you don't do this one thing, you're in trouble. Um, I'm thinking Winu. I don't know how you paint with a wide brush with the Winu, right? It's literally designed to specific. But yeah, uh, yeah, and and honestly, guys, we're trying to tackle these races in an order that uh, we're we're tackling the races in an order of our confidence, basically. So... Hopefully, as we go along, we're going to get better and better at recognizing what methods work and which ones don't. I think thus far, what we've gone with is sort of letting the episode cater to the race itself. 
Yeah. Mentac, the points we made that were specific, I stand by all of them. Like right. I, I think they all they all make sense. And a lot of the things that are more general with Mentac are pretty basic non start like specifically like with the flagship, right? The flagship is good. I don't need to talk about strategy with the flagship. It it hurts things with sustained damage. Use it in games against people with sustained damage. Like that, we don't have to go into detail about those sorts of things. So I think there's a there's definitely an amount of we're kind of just like letting some things slide by when, in our view, it's maybe obvious. Um, but to jump back into some other points that yeah. maybe weren't so obvious, here's a, here's something else we missed. Ooh, really good point from Robofish off our um, Board Game Geek Guild. He mentioned, great episode. Thanks, Robofish. Um, next one. Oh, just kidding. He had more to say. Um, he said that he agreed with most of all of it. Oh, okay, cool. Thank you. Uh, but no, his actual point uh, that we find very interesting, and he honestly kind of answered a question that we've had in the podcast for a yeah. while. Um, his idea is that the Mentak and the Hakan should swap racial promissory notes because it helps them both so much. The Mentak is missing out from pillaging the Hakan, but basically... In this setup, the two of them will be in a game together, and they're not really getting each other way, yeah. e- each other's way so much as they're enabling each other right. a lot. They're yeah. not stepping on each other's toes, which I think we've, we've... It's almost like we've had that in our heads as a possibility, but we just didn't... It didn't... This is the key to this that is door. It. This, is, yeah. this is the interaction. I love it because I've been looking for that way for the Mentak to have that kind of yin-yang approach to pillaging right like i want you to sometimes not have to pillage but instead be able to offer a trade but obviously there's like a few different scenarios where that doesn't work so if you can get the hakan's promissory note and have the option to trade with everyone at the table you can open some doors that were not going to be open to you and you know the, the idea of like pillaging one person trading with another or like offering the trade before you pillage it just opens up a lot of your possibilities as mentak and then obviously hakan's number one enemy is a mentak that's just sitting there hovering over them stealing constantly so if you can both benefit off of each other i mean that's that's huge and it's exactly what I would want to see from most Hakan Mentak players. You're going to control the table if the two of you work together. Mm-hmm. If you are opposed to each other, you're going to be fighting each other all game. Mm-hmm. And it just seems better to to be work on something that's mutually beneficial. Yeah, I'd, personally, I really like that idea. Here's another one from our Board Game Geek Guild. Um, this is from Agone07. Agone7? Uh, Agone7. I'm sorry. Um, he or she likes to go after Assault Cannon um, after getting uh, Cruiser 2. Um, And this allows you to do super efficient raids. I really get this idea. This is cool. Um, You go with three cruisers or two cruisers, one destroyer, whatever, with your racial ability um, plus Action Card or plus Assault Cannon. You will usually have two hits even before the combat round starts. This is just kind of doubling down on your pre-fire abilities. Right. I think it's all right. The problem is you have to go pretty deep into red to make this work. And in my opinion, you can get this same bonus of two hits before combat by just upgrading those PDS, and that's on the way as well. If you, if you put PDS on the board, that's the other way you're going to be able to do a lot of things. Now, this is talking in a more aggressive sense, so the one thing I will say is the game that I love this idea is when the public objectives are all get planets. If, if you're just, like, not seeing economic objectives hit the table and it's all control this kind of planet and control all these things and you get secret objectives that are all planet control based, yes, maybe this is the game you go for Assault Cannon um, because that, that strategy is certainly going to 
be very scary for people. And especially if you partner that with your flagship and you're going into some fleets that were banking on using sustained damage and you're taking shots at things before any combat starts. I mean, you're you're going to do some damage. Um, so I like it, but it is. It, I would not put it in a global strategy. This is like a look at the board. If it's starting to evolve and you've, you've finished your Cruiser 2 tech and you're deciding whether or not you're going to go down yellow or red... I mean, even even still, even if the game is set up well where red looks pretty good because there's so many planet takes, if you get mirror computing, you're just buying twice as much stuff. Yeah, that's so. kind of how I feel. I feel like as your lawyer, I have to say that you should get mirror. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I just feel like I have to say. The council to get, advises <laughs> yeah. that. But, like, if you're a cowboy, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, if you're just feeling it. Well, also, if, if you're having one of those games where the trade goods aren't coming, right? Because that happens. Yeah, if that you get totally too. shut down, this is the other This is the other mm-hmm. take on it. All right, no one wants to trade with me? I'm going to go assault cannon, and you're going to really regret pissing me off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's but clearly that's guns blazing. Yes. You know what I'm saying? That's guns really bla- your you know fallback plan. Yeah. That's, that is... Ah, <laughs> wow, wow, wow. <laughs> Now, you're, you're so annoying. We're so annoying. Um, <laughs> one more great point about the Mentac from Sick Parvis Magna on uh, Twilight Imperium subreddit is talking about Mentac's ability to pillage commodities sometimes instead of trade goods. Obviously, most often you're going to take the trade good because it denies the other player some money, but it's kind of a simple solution to this problem we keep talking about of how does the Mentac feel like less of a threat to everyone? And you should consider taking commodities maybe more often than taking trade goods it really relies on whether or not people are leaving commodities behind but in any situation where let's say jolnar is trading with sardak nor right that's a three commodities and a four commodities player so unless they're doing an uneven trade they're probably doing a three for three which means jolnar is leaving one behind if you're neighbor to them just take the commodity instead um because it will you, you can basically offer it up to the Jolnar and say, hey, I'll take this commodity instead of this trade good because you're not getting hurt by me taking the commodity. Yeah, maybe you were going to be able to trade that later, but in a lot of cases, probably not. So if you're looking for more ways to lessen the impact of your stealing, look at their commodity sheets. If they leave those behind, you might want to take that, unless it is a player who is benefiting way too much from getting a lot of money. Then you should absolutely keep stealing their uh, trade goods from them but it's definitely worth a look at it's something we kind of never really talked about we never really um paid attention to the fact that you can steal commodities because you it just seems always better to take a trade good but you you should consider it um and make it part of your wheeling and dealing with the table it's less aggressive it's like a point of like yeah being i don't know trying it's a way that magna. sick parvis magna has pointed out a really good way to maybe think about the mentac so that the table doesn't turn against you. Yeah. So that the meta doesn't You are get. constantly looking for those sorts of things yeah. as the Mentec. Because otherwise, if you if you play as aggressively as you can, you are enemy number one by round three. Yeah. Nobody most, likes you. Yeah. Yeah. So we have, uh, we have, we've got a lovely little gift for you all today uh, in, in our errata. It's errata of some errata. Oh, oh double errata. We said Woo! we would never do it, but Yay. here we are. <clears throat> uh, it's because, it's because an OG did it. Blark Knob. So Blark Knob can do it, but that doesn't mean you can all do it. <laughs> he made an, and actually, uh, I, I like that he brings this up uh, because this is something that I kind of keep, 
feel like we keep getting stuck in our gears. You know yeah, what I mean? Right. Like as we're chugging along, it right. like it just keeps getting stuck. But here, I'll just read it. Why not I let you know what I'm talking about? Blarknob said, uh, note on the Arborek errata, I didn't mention why integrated economy was good with the Arborek. Specifically, it is good because it allows you to build ground forces using integrated economy, then use the production capacity of those ground forces in the same action. This means you get to reinforce any planet you take very easily. I think that last sentence... I mean, is essentially the idea, the point, yeah. the point of integrated economy in general, not even just for the Arborek. And I will give you for sure that it, this tech is probably best with Arborek. Absolutely. Yeah. And the, it, for the same reason that transit diodes is best or second best yeah. uh, with Arborek. And so now we, we talked about there being situations where you might not do transit diodes because of, you know, whatever reasons that your game is having. But in most games, you're probably going to want to go for transit diodes, which means integrated economy is only one away. It's still a late game push, but, I mean, Blarknob is not wrong that, like, your, your goal should still be, be taking some planets from people, and in the late game, you are taking planets that the assumption is they're going to fight back for. So if you can have integrated economy to immediately, like, hyper-reinforce these planets, you're, you're going to be in a really good position i think um this is one of those things we we kind of talked transit diodes down for a really long time and then we got won over by just seeing its performance in games yeah and i think i'm starting to get that way with integrated economy you see it in so so much less games just because it is so deep in the tree but the games that it does get played in it has an impact it definitely does it's hard to work out the economy of the effect because that's the thing is anytime you talk about um like a level four tech right it just becomes like, okay, is this is this enough to justify it? Yeah, did it come out too late? Yeah. Was it was it effective in the timing that it was able to come out? That's the biggest question with any end game tech. The thing about integrated economy that I feel like as far as late game goes is one of the planets that you're likely to be fighting over and yeah. needing to reinforce is Mechatol Rex. Right. Um, the idea of there being a late game fight over Mechatol Rex where you're going to barely get in there and yeah. need to reinforce it. I feel like, yeah. Mm-hmm. The problem is Mechatol Rex is a one-resource planet. So you're not so going to get much is there. that really, is that going to help? Can I don't I, know. Yeah, the, yeah. Ca- the counter argument I would say, so I, I would say, yes, Mechatol Rex isn't the good argument. The other argument is, and this is something. Home systems? Home systems yes. in a big way, especially because if you're going to be going for somebody's home system that is, I mean, if you go for Barony or L1Z1 mm-hmm. or uh, Mentact, someone with these big home systems, you can take it in a way where it's it's literally never going to be taken again. We had a game just recently um, that I played in. Hunter wasn't there, but um, I almost won the game because I took Barony's home system, but I wasn't able to get quite enough ground forces there where SAR was then able to do a bunch of stalls, putting one ground force in a space stock every single turn because he had oh. saved up a bunch of command counters and then he was able to invade that system. And because he had enough ground forces, he was able to get the point over me. But if it had been an Arborek play, that home system isn't going anywhere. And in, in endgame scenarios where people start taking home systems, the question of whether or not that person will be able to take it back or whether or not someone else will be able to take that home system is definitely a big question. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I, I think if you see the game going in the direction of it's time to attack someone's home, get an integrated economy. It's, it's gonna, you're going to take it and never lose it. I think it might be the most, uh, as far as this point in the podcast, it might be the most question mark yeah. regular tech we have. You Probably. Know? Uh, we see of, its benefits, but we also see how it can be situational. It's, it's, yeah, it's the most Like you just fence. named a situation right there where it probably would have won you the game. Right, so, exactly. So that, take that with a grain of salt. And 
to go back to Blarknock's comment, I will say that it does feel like for Arborek, it's a little bit of a win more thing. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna bit. say that because uh, it. I see how you use it as a. I, I can see how it's retaliatory. Yeah. Someone took some of your planets. You need to get it back, and you make sure they don't hit your pie slice again. You know what? I would like a uh, this Imperium life story about yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah integrated economy winning the game. I feel like we just need we need some people out there in the field doing the gods right. work. Yeah, yeah, the gods we... work doing the Lord's work. <laughs> <laughs> and that's gonna that's we're gonna call it there. That's that's a decent amount of errata. It actually wasn't. We didn't bring up that many points, and we talked a lot about each of them, which is surprising. But well, uh, you guys know we do the errata as a warm up to the real episodes. Yeah, so now, now you, you know, know that. that. Yeah. That's what we do. This was our warm up. Now we gotta go do the episode. But before we do the episode, let's close it out. Oh yeah, so, let's end the episode. Now <laughs> wow, this is like time travel. Uh you can follow Ooh, I us. wanna do it. You wanna do it again? Oh wait, I did it last episode. You did it last episode. Do you want me to do it? I'll do a little bit of it and then you do some right, of it. I'll, I'll step in. Okay. You can follow us at um Twitter oh, and uh, we have boy. it's at Space Cats Pod. Uh-huh. And please, if you are tweeting at us or uh, anything like that, also just share us on Twitter. Um, we're, we need to step up our game a little bit of kind of getting our name out there. This this also goes to the point if we haven't talked about, please review us on iTunes or whatever app you're using. Those reviews really help our visibility and. If our podcast becomes more visible, hopefully TI4 becomes more visible, and that means we all get more people to play the game with. Mm-hmm. And I know that sounds maybe conceited of me to say, but I do get lots of messages from people saying the only reason they started playing more often is because they had a consistent source of interaction with it, right? So mm-hmm. for a lot of people, just hearing people talk about TI, it finally gets those numbers crunching in your head enough to decide to pull the trigger and and invite some people over and play it so we want to get as many people doing that as possible so if sharing our podcast helps that please do that you can also find us on facebook um and our name on facebook is uh the title of the podcast itself which i believe is something cat wall cats Lolcats, I like turtles. We're a meme <laughs> podcast about memes and meme memes. We're we're dedicated to that one YouTube clip from years ago. I like turtles. Um, yeah, you Space Cats Peace Turtles on Facebook. You can send us an email at spacecatspeacetartles at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. You can write us a letter. Yes. Uh, send it to, let me pull up Hunter's address. Uh, 9336. <laughs> Uh, and you can find us on our weekly post on the Twilight Imperium subreddit. We've also decided to quit being idiots, and we're going to make it easier to find our board game Geek Guild in the Twilight Imperium subreddit post. There will be a link to the Board Game Geek Guild from here on out. So That's all, folks. That, yeah, that's <laughs> all, folks. I'm sorry. It's so convoluted and stupid, but... It's a hundred-year-old website. Mm -hmm. One last thing before we go. We're doing another episode of This Imperium Life coming up soon. I think we're two weeks away from the posting of this episode. So we really, really want more submissions to be able to make it as good as we can. Again, This Imperium Life are our special episodes where we use your stories of your favorite moments of games of Twilight Imperium that you've played. So try to make them concise so that we don't have to edit out too much of the good stuff. Um, But give us those, you know, titular moments, the climax of the game, the best play you ever made, 
made anything like that, anything that just leads to the best story you can tell about Twilight Imperium so that we can show people what makes this game so, so great. And uh, and then that's it. That's it. We, we, we can leave. We can go, go away now. Well, you can also get this podcast on CD now. Um, yeah. I have been, made, been burning copies of it and leaving it in random places. You can see me on Hollywood Boulevard handing out mixtapes yeah, anytime. Um, if you geocache in <laughs> Ohio at all... <laughs> We will be at one of them. Yeah, there is a there is a uh, laser disc with the first five episodes burned onto it. Yeah, in a geocache in Ohio. Good luck. Get hunting. Oh, also send us board game ideas, bad ones. You guys remember that? Yeah, make sure you do that. Hashtag MRBR. Send us ideas for board games that are bad not ideas. fleshed out. Mm-hmm. That's really the biggest thing. Not fleshed out. Don't give us the idea you've been sitting on for years because you think something might actually come of it. Give us the dumb idea you just came up with this morning in the shower. That's what we want. Yeah. The word soup. Word soup. Give us your word soup. And uh, check us out next week. Goodbye. So long. Farewell. I'll be saying goodbye. I hate to go and leave this pretty sight. Right, I'm not. I'm not leaving that in. It's just gonna. It's just gonna go away when you said goodbye. And then that's it. And no, then, dude, and then I, be it. And then it fades to black. No, it should be. Oh, man. Did, did I just do the man. outro again? I just did it. Thank you for listening to Space Cats Peace Turtles. And thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica Bellum Gloriosum.